Romans chapter number 12 tonight in your Bibles. Romans chapter number 12. Very, very, very familiar passages of Scripture tonight. I want us to consider a few thoughts um, out of this and just a thought. I really kind of want to take a thought and maybe just run with it a little bit tonight and just give us some, some principles to live by. Principles, Bible principles to live by. Romans chapter 12, let's read verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, chapter 12 is a bit of a transitional point in the book of Romans. Uh, chapter 1 through 11 have been chapters that Paul is dealing with doctrine, the doctrine of salvation. Boy, you can't walk down a better road than the Romans road. And so many truths that we find here. And Paul just, in a wonderful fashion, and we studied through this book a number of years back, and, and in, in a wonderful way, Paul just lays out the doctrine of salvation, what it is, what it's not, and how to find it, how to know you have it. Tremendous things. And he, he lays out for us what all that Christ did for us. And he comes to chapter number 12 and he says, I beseech you therefore, because of all that's been said, because of all that we have seen about the wonderful grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because of all that Christ has provided for each and every one of us by way of salvation, if we've truly been born again, because of this, now put it to practice. Now Put it to use. Now go forward. I beseech you, therefore, because of all we've learned, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And he goes on to talk about this. And verse number two is really where I want to land. He talks about being not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We all realize, certainly we do, that the world is seeking to, to conform us into its mold. What we see going on in our land today is a conforming into a mold that someone has designed, a mold of Marxism, socialism, a, Marx, a, a mold of, of anarchy, a mold of what the world thinks it ought to look like. And so what we literally see and have been seeing for decades now in our educational system is a mold that's there. And in the educational system, in the public school arena... They, what is happening is that teaching is pouring everyone into a mold so that at the end of the day, at the end of the educational years, that what pops out of that mold is exactly what they intended it to be. And we see that taking place. And so the world is trying to put us into a mold. The world today would like to put the Christian into a mold. This is what you're supposed to look like. This is how you're supposed to act. This is what you can do and what you can't do. The world has tried to put the church into a mold. This is what church is really supposed to be. There's a mold. And the world has a mold that it'd like to put you into. And he, Paul comes here and he says, don't be conformed to that. Don't let them put you into that mold. Because that's not what God 
molded you to be. It's not what he saved you to be. Be in the mold of Jesus Christ. Follow him. Let God mold you rather than the world mold you. He says, how do we do this? One way in which we do that is we are to be transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds. Does your mind sometimes play tricks on you? Does your mind, do you have a problem? Do you ever argue with your mind? Does it seem like you ask who's in control? Is it me or is it my mind? Is it, is it th- them or me? What's going on in here? What's going on up, in, up here in this thing? Um, the mind. The mind is a powerful thing. And if the world can get a hold of our mind, if the devil can take hold of our minds, then he can begin to lead us around in places that we ought not go and don't need to be. And he says, be renewed in our mind. The world has a mold. And so that's some principles I just want to give us tonight about how do we renew our minds. How do we renew our minds? The title of the message is Maintaining Sanity in an Insane World. Boy, we look at this world around us and it is certainly, it seems to be quite insane, does it not? And getting more and more the such each day. Um, how do we maintain our sanity in the midst of it? You know, things aren't going to get any better. The Bible tells us that. It's Bible truth. As things go forward, it'll wax worse and worse. They're not going to get any better. And yet, I see so many Christians, and I uh, hearken back and and probably fall, fell prey to this as well. We go back to the election cycle of just a couple years ago and how so many of us were just... Uh, wringing our hands and and worry and distressing about what was taking place. And we can even do that today. And we see the insanity of the world, but yet we're not called to that. We're called to be renewing our minds. So let me just give us several things tonight that I hope will be Bible principles on how to maintain our sanity in an insane world. How to keep our minds right with God. How to live right. If our minds are right, uh, our, our decisions will be right, and our lives will be right. So let's think about this just for a few minutes this evening. Number one, how do I maintain my sanity in, in, in an insane world? How do I continue to renew my mind? First of all, I've got to come to the understanding and establish this thought and establish a habit that says this. Everything that God allows in my life is his plan and his purpose. Coming to the realization that whatever I am going through, wherever I am at, in whatever stage of life I am in, I am willing, I'll be willing to accept that whatever God has put into my life is the will of God for me. Whatever God has allowed to come into my life is the will of God for me. It's God's plan. Understand, God allows things always allows things into our lives to build us, never to destroy us. Now, we're talking to Christians tonight. He allows things into our lives to build us, to build our faith, to increase our faith, never to destroy us. What crazy thinking would it be for God who would... God the Father has sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to this world to save us from our sin, to save us from ourselves, and then turn right around and destroy us. 
No, he came to just save us, to save us from the destroyer. His name is Satan. Came to save us from ourselves, our own sin. So come to the realization that, that all things work together for the good of God to them that love him. All things work together for the glory of God to them that love him. Let me give you a couple of verses. 1 Thessalonians 3 and 3. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The church at Thessalonica in this writing. We're going through hard times. Going through very difficult times. And he says to give thanks in the midst of them. It is always for our good. And for God's glory. That's the decision that I have to come to. How am I going to renew my mind? Understand that whatever I'm going through in my life is for my good and God's glory. I may not always understand that while I'm going through it. I may not always see clear about that. But I know that God never makes mistakes. And when I begin to start thinking that God has somehow made a mistake, then then I'm off base. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. That's what my Bible says. For good to them. To them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed into his image. That's, I think, the key. God wants us, and he's working in our lives to conform us into his image. Nothing catches... Our Lord off of off guard. Nothing has ever caught him off guard. Um, someone said, it "Has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? Um, God already knows. God already knows. He's already there." John thirteen. Jesus answered and said unto him, "What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter." You may not understand it. You may not see clear right now. But understand that we are in the hands of God. And in the hands of God, we are the safest that we could ever be in the hands of the Lord. We could and we should avoid when we, these things come into our lives. This will help us to avoid complaining. It will help us to avoid murmuring. 1 Peter 4 and 12. Think it not strange. Concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. The idea of a trial there is something that's to come against us. Understand, there are enemies. The world, the flesh, the devil. All these things have come against us. God's not come against us. God's come for us. And everything that, as Christians, he allows in our lives is for our good and for his glory. And we're to... Be careful about the, 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 the murmuring and complaining against God. Neither murmur ye, 1 Corinthians 10, 10, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. When we murmur, when we complain, we are literally telling God, we're really saying to the Lord that, Lord, you don't know what you're doing. Lord, you have lost the ability to, to see and to know Lord, you don't know what you're doing. So principle number one, establish the, the habit in our lives. And it's something we have to work upon that everything that comes into our lives comes into our lives. And it's, for the, it's the will of God. God's allowed it 
for a purpose. And God's got a plan. Let God work his plan through. Trust, wait upon God to work his plan through. Number two, how do I live sanely in an insane world? Dr. Sis is preaching a message and he's, he's preached a message. I think he just preached it the first time this week. How to stay happy in ministry for all of your life. And this is a point that he brought out in his message. And I thought, well, that sure fits. Live a balanced life. Number two, live a balanced life. Now, I'm talking about balanced life. A balanced life in many regards. The Christian's, Christian life does not extreme, go from extreme to extreme. There's a balance in everything that God does. But that balanced life. A balance between work and rest. A balance between work and rest. Now... The Bible is clear that hard work is good. Would you say amen to that? Proverbs 13 and 4. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. I loved it this, loved it this week. Uh, but the rector's, Miss Michelle was teaching uh, the little ones, and they were sitting on the back porch, uh, and she was teaching them. She said, Elijah, what's a sluggard? <laughs> you, you, you should have seen his, his uh, demonstration of what a sluggard was. But he got it right. A sluggard desireth but hath nothing. In other words, one's not willing. One's not willing to work. One's not willing to, to labor. Second Thessalonians 3 and 10. If any would not work, neither shall he eat. The Bible tells us that we are to work hard. The Bible also says that we are to rest. We're to rest. We studied Mark chapter 6. And Jesus said to them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Rest a while. This is the balance. See, that's the balance in life. You know, when we get so stressed out with our work, then we become the possibility we open up the avenues for the devil just to pounce on us. We become so tired in, in, in just staying busy, whether it's in the ministry, whether it's in day-to-day work. Now, which is it? Is it work or it's rest? The answer is yes. It's both of them. It's balanced. Balanced. Working is right, but resting is... When we work is not sin. Resting when we work and after we've worked, it's not sin. And some people would see resting as sin. I must always be busy, not able to rest. It's not sin. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, but all play and no work makes Jack a poor boy. Both are true. There's balance in this. Vance Havner said, if you don't come apart, then you will come apart. Again, Satan will usually attack in the moments that we are the weakest, when there's fatigue and all these things have taken place. Listen to Psalm 127 in verse number 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. It's good. There's a balance in regards to this. So how do we keep our minds in the right place? Well, 
We balance it with work, but yes, rest. Number three, how do we keep our minds sane in an insane world? Walk in the light. Simply here is be obedient. Be obedient to God's word no matter what happens. Be obedient to God's word no matter what happens, no matter what comes down into our lives. 1 John 1 and 17, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all our sin. Be obedient to the word of God no matter what happens. Keep short accounts of sin. Keep short accounts of sin. Don't let this thing go on and fester. It's always best to do this because if we judge ourselves, we'll not have to be judged by God. Hebrews talks about that. Avoid the chastisement of God. If we keep short accounts of sin, then it's less apt to leave the scars of sin that are left there in life. Galatians 6, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So we're to keep our minds in the right place. Walk in the light. Have a balanced approach to our lives. Accept the will of God. Accept where we are as the will of God. And ask God to help us through these things. And trust Him in the midst of it. We go on. Number four. We talked about this on Wednesdays as we're working through 2 Corinthians. Maintain a good conscience within. Maintain a good conscience within. This is the inner man. Build up that inner man by maintaining a good conscience. Holding faith. 1 Timothy 1.19. Holding faith in a good conscience. Which some have put away concerning faith and have made shipwrecked. Sin will take its toll. A guilty conscience will begin to take its toll in our lives. Um, We can become callous to sin. We become callous if we continue in our sin. Listen to what Psalm chapter 6 says. This is one of David's penitential psalms where that word simply means a psalm of sorrow, a psalm of grief because of the sin that he found himself in. He says... O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. Excuse me, I'm in the wrong chapter, verse number 6. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak, O Lord. Heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Remember, return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me. For thy mercy's sake, for in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. My eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies." One of the greatest enemies is the enemy within. It's the enemy of guilt and knowing that we've done wrong. Maintain a good conscience. Acts 24. Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. So maintain a good conscience. 
We go on. Walk in the filling of the Spirit, not in the filling of the flesh. Walk in the filling of the Spirit. We've already kind of mentioned that with regards to walking in obedience. But an intentional plan to walk in the filling of the Spirit. Let me ask you, what's default mode for most of us? There's a default mode. There's a default mode if we are exercising, if we continue to exercise a walk in the Spirit, that becomes the default mode. On the other side, if we're not doing that, what's the default mode? It's the flesh, not the Spirit. And that's what we, we want to walk in the filling of the Spirit. That filling is literally means in obedience. We're going to either have flesh dependence or spirit dependence. Flesh dependence or spirit dependence. Walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit and not in the filling of the flesh. So easily we can get in the flesh when we ought never, never to do that. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we need to be careful about that. We go on. How do I keep my sanity in an insane world? Walk by faith instead of by sight. Walk by faith by, instead of by sight. We mentioned much about that this morning. Walk by faith, not by sight. Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they should not be high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. This is a life that pleases God, a life that's a life of faith. Believing God day in and day out to meet our needs, to supply for us the right outcome, the right direction to guide our paths. Hebrews 6, 11, without faith it's impossible. So we want to live in such a way that we plan on pleasing God. Get up in the mornings. Just make a plan. Today, this day is the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Today, I'm going to please the Lord with my life. I'm going to walk in the filling of the Spirit. And be ready because there will be a testing with regards to that. There will be a testing. So exercise that filling of the Spirit, that obedience. So we walk by faith instead of sight. Take a stand against Satan. Number seven, take a stand against Satan. Ephesians, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, in other words. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. How did the Lord resist the devil with the word of God? And we'll talk a little bit about that. Resist the devil. Some of us don't know how to resist the devil. Some of us have never really put up a resistance. We tend to, tend to, to fall so easily to the attacks. When Satan attacks, attack back with the word of God. Give the word back. That's how Jesus overcame. And it's how we can overcome. How in the world do I overcome this besetting sin? With the word of God. With, that, with, with, with the the offense and the defense that we find in the Bible. It'll keep us from sin. It'll keep us from sinning and it'll keep us out of it. Our weapons are, are spiritual. They're not carnal. 
Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So how do we keep ourselves? We keep ourselves by being aware of the attacks of Satan in our life and then using the word of God to overcome. Number eight. There are ten of these that I wanted to give you tonight. Number eight. Regularly commune with God through prayer and his word. Regularly commune with God through prayer and his word. You know when we get busy, when we get stressed, what is often the first thing that we leave off? It's our Bible. It's our prayer time. Often the, the case. Regularly commune with God through prayer and his word. Prayer is us speaking to God. His word is God speaking to us. But grow in grace, Peter says, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. If we're too busy for God's word, then really we're just too busy. We're just too busy. If we want to have fruit in our lives, I'll have to abide. I'll learn to abide. John 15, what a wonderful passage. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husband, and every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. That's what God wants for us. And how do we bring forth that fruit? Well, we have to do it in obedience to the commands to our Lord and Savior, and we find those in the Word of God. Next one, let me give you. Cast every care and every worry upon the Lord. Cast every care and every worry upon the Lord and leave it there. Worry and anxiety will be the thing that will oftentimes the ruin of the Christian. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Why? Why? Because He careth for us. He careth for us. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. And he said unto them, My grace is sufficient for me, for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my affirmation that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What was he doing? What was Paul doing here? He was literally casting his care upon the Lord. Give it to the Lord. We have grace to bear the care of not worrying. God gives us that grace. We don't have to worry. We don't have to do that. Worry does not solve your problems. Worry will not solve our problems. Philippians 4, 6, and following. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Jesus Christ. And sometimes we pray with our cares and our hearts. We pray to God, and then we, we don't leave them. We pick them up and carry them with us. We carry them forward. We sing the song, all your anxiety, all your care. Bring it to the mercy seat and leave it there. Never a burden He cannot bear never a friend like Jesus. Like Jesus. Someone said you can't change the past, but you can ruin a perfectly good present by worrying about the future. Ruin a perfectly good present by worrying about the future. The future is in God's hands. Leave it there. 
Someone said this, God stays up day and night, so give your troubles to God and go to bed. I like that. He's up all the time, so just give them to him and go to bed. Let God handle it. We deal with all sorts of things. Worry and trouble and anxiety brings discord and trouble into our hearts. Ulcers, upset stomachs, headaches, health problems, all these things. Too numerous to even talk about. Someone said, why worry when you can pray? God's big enough. God's big enough. How to keep our sanity in the insane world. Cast our cares upon the Lord. Lastly, think about the right things. Think about the right things. What do we contemplate? Where does our mind typically land in our down times, in our quiet times? What is the constant thing that's mulling over and over and over in our mind? You know, the old cow, he chews his cud. He's got a number of those stomachs, and he'll eat some of that grass, and then he'll, excuse me, regurgitate and go through the whole process again, over and over again. Quit regurgitating the problems. Think on the right things. Think on the right things. Philippians 4. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, that's a learned process. That's a disciplined process. But it's something I have to do. It's something I have to discipline my heart and my mind to do. So what am I to think on? These things that are, that are true and right. And So how do I do that? Trade wrong thinking for right thinking. Simply think on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Romans 8 and 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Hebrews 1, 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him... Consider him, think upon him that endured such contradictions. For who? For sinners against himself. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Think on Jesus. Instead of complaining on how hard life is and how hard the Christian life is. Meditate about how much the Lord has helped us. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Start meditating. Instead of start ruminating over all the negatives, start understanding and helping, asking God to give us a handle on all the things that He's helped us with, on all the things that He's kept us from, in all the many ways that He's provided, and all the many ways that He continues to provide, and He continues to protect, and He continues. To bless. Think on these things. Think rightly. 
2 Corinthians 5, 3 and 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Draw our thinking from the Lord. You know, it'd be okay, it'd be good, maybe in this idea of thinking rightly, just take a, take a break from the news. Take a break from Facebook. So many people are just caught up in Facebook. And it may have its place, but so much of, at least I feel like it, what I see and hear is it's more of a gossip column than is a truth column. I'm sorry, but that's just what, the, way I, the way I feel about it. Not down on you if you have if you do that, that's fine. I, I imagine there may come a time when our kids get to Greenland. That's the only way we'll get to see our grandbabies. There'll be popsicles up there, but they're in Greenland, you know. But we'll, that's all we'll get to see. So there might come a time. But you know what? You can get caught up in it. You can just get caught up. Spend too much time there. Just spend too much time there. Take a break. All the other media sources. You know, maybe it'd be good just to take a 10-day quarantine from it. Just wouldn't be all that bad. Just quarantine from it. So how do we stay sane and insane? There's thousands of ways and biblical. But just a few thoughts tonight. Scattered thoughts. Accept the will of God for your life, number one. Accept the will of God for your life. Number two, maintain a balanced work and rest Schedule. Number three, be obedient in every way to the word of God. Number four, maintain a good conscience void of offense. Number five, walk in the filling of the spirit. Number six, walk by faith. Number seven, resist the devil. Put on the whole armor of God. Number eight, stay in the word and in prayer. Number nine, Cast your cares upon him. And then lastly, think on the right things. Think on Jesus Christ. If we would just take a few of these, if I would just take a few of these and put them into practice, day in and day out, what a difference it can make in my life and in your life. Principles for daily living. Practical things that I trust will help us live on the victory side in this insane world, let's bow our hearts in prayer.